you'll take the Word of God with me, please, and turn to Jeremiah chapter number 1 this evening, and we'll find our text there. Let me say, before we get started with the message tonight, that tonight was supposed to have been Living Proof Night. And of course, with everything that's going on in our nation, we, we're having to uh, put that aside for the time being. But I want you to just say a few things about our youth group, being that this was supposed to be a night all about it. And I was excited. And I truly believe that um, in many ways, you poor folks are getting punished tonight having to hear from me instead of the service that we had planned. Um, I thank God for the opportunity to minister to our teenagers and we, of course, have Sunday school and then our regular service on Wednesday nights. We typically will meet half an hour before the main service and we'll have a time of games in the gym or the football field for 30 or 40 minutes. And then we go into the elementary chapel and I will bring a message from the Word of God for about 30 or 40 minutes, getting them trained to uh, be able to sit down and listen for that long in the regular service. And we have a good time. We sing songs. We praise the Lord. We also have opportunities for our young people to go soul winning once a month. We take them door to door for teen soul winning and monthly activities. First Sunday night of the month after the main service, we either have activities in the gym or we go out somewhere else. And so we have an active youth group, and I thank God for that. But let me just tell you what we had in store for tonight and what you can look forward to uh, once we're able to reschedule down the road. Uh, we were going to feature our, our youth group, and by that, we were going to have our youth choir sing, as well as have our teenagers uh, sing various specials, perhaps play the offering. Um, I was also intending on having our young men usher during the service, but really, what you're missing out on is I had three of our young teenage men who had agreed that they would preach that night. And I was looking forward to hearing these young men stand up and preach the Word of God. And so I want you to pray that... Uh, we would be able to have our youth group back together whole, in person, not online, soon, so that we can make that service happen and let them have the opportunity to break the bread of life to us. Well, if you're in Jeremiah chapter number 1, recently I was reading through this passage and I was encouraged and I was helped personally. And tonight I want to share with you some observations about this passage. And I pray that the Lord will help and encourage your heart as he did mine. We're going to begin reading in verse number 4 and we'll begin and we'll read all the way down through verse number 10. The Bible says in verse 4, then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms, to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build and to plant. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you that we have this church that we can come to and worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you that we have an opportunity to gather together as men and women of like faith around thy word. And Lord, I pray that you would bless the preaching of thy word tonight. Lord, would you fill me with thy Holy Spirit's power and allow me to say only that which would be pleasing unto thee. Lord, I pray thy Holy Spirit's power upon the service, and I ask that thy Holy Spirit would speak to hearts tonight, and I would ask it in Jesus' precious name, amen. 
We come to this passage of Scripture, and this is a very familiar passage for those of us who have been in church a long time. And I want to draw your attention to verse number 5, and we find a few observations here. In verse 5, the Bible says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. I want to draw your attention to the phrase, I knew thee. Before I formed thee in the belly, God declares to Jeremiah, I knew you. I know who you are. God is declaring that he knows everything there is to know about this prophet Jeremiah. And I am encouraged and comforted to know that God knows you and me. Can you imagine, just stop for a minute and ponder the simple truth it is, and yet God, the God of eternity, so high, so infinitely holy and powerful, knows you and I. He has the entire cosmos, the universe to consider. He holds the stars in His hands, and yet God knows you and I. He says, I knew thee. What does that mean? Have you ever thought about it? What does it mean exactly that God would know us? Well, I believe tonight that God knows every single detail that there is to know about us. He knows our faults and our failures, and isn't it wonderful to know that even though He is aware of just how frail we are, He still cares about us. He knows about our strengths and our joys. He knows how we think and why we think the way that we do. We don't even know that about ourselves half the time. That tells me God knows me even greater than I know myself. He knows the Bible declares even the number of hairs that are upon your head. Those of you who still have a head full of hair. The Bible declares in Psalm 139 and verse 2, Thou knowest my downsittings and mine uprisings. Thou knowest my faults afar off. God's knowledge of me is so intricate. The Bible says He knows every time I sit down, every time I rise up. God knows every thought that has ever come across my mind. He sees my thoughts, the Bible says, afar off. Before they've even crossed my mind, God knows me. And God is telling us tonight that He is concerned. He is interested in our lives. But I want you to notice what this passage is not teaching. As you look at verse 5, when God says, I knew thee, I want you to understand there are some things that this passage is not saying. This is not the idea that, well, we're just here by accident and God in His foreknowledge happens to know about us. That That's not the idea. We're not here by accident. God does not just happen with His foreknowledge to know who we are. It's not the idea that, well, of course God is omniscient and because He knows everything, obviously He's going to know about us. And that is true. He is omniscient. He does know everything. But I want you to see this passage goes far beyond the simple truth that God, who is infinite in His knowledge, knows us. I want you to back up in verse number 5, and I want you to see the beginning phrase. The Bible declares, before I formed thee. I would encourage you to underline that in your Bible. God declares, I formed thee. God is saying that I don't just know everything about you. I formed you. I created you. I was involved in the process and in the formation of every child that has been conceived. You look at the process of of birth and you realize it is truly a miracle of God as God and the Holy Spirit begin to work in the formation of every single individual that is alive on this planet. This tells us that God has 
created us on purpose. You think about this. He says, Jeremiah, I not only know about you, but I formed you. It tells me that each and every one of us was created on purpose. And if we are created on purpose, then it must be for a purpose. You see, we serve a God of order. God never has done anything by accident. God has never done anything just without any purpose behind it. He always has a plan and a purpose and a will for everything that he does. And if he has formed us specifically on purpose, then he has a plan for our lives. I want you to remember as we go through the message tonight, write it down, commit it to memory. You and I were created on purpose for a purpose. That's the message of Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 5. So what exactly does it mean? What does it mean when God says, I have formed you? Well, I think there's several ways in which we can look at this. I believe that this is teaching us tonight that God made each and every one of us exactly how we are in order to fulfill a very specific plan, a specific will, a specific purpose for our lives. When God says, I formed you, I believe that every cell in your body was formed by God. Everything about you, God formed every detail of your body physically for the specific purpose of bringing glory to His name. He's got a plan for you. He's got a specific purpose. And He has created you even physically to do something for God. You say, well, preacher, I have a disability. I have issues with my body physically. No, friend, God formed you specifically that way to bring glory to His name. He's got a plan for you. I know of a preacher named John Bishop, great godly man, and he was a faithful man, a godly preacher, has done a great work for God. And he contracted spiral meningitis. And at the end of it all, if you were to meet Brother John today, he has the speech of a child. You have to really stop and listen to how he speaks and what he says. And yet, God was not shocked by his sickness. And God, even today, is using Brother John in a powerful, powerful way to help others. What I'm saying is God formed John Bishop on purpose to fulfill a specific plan for his life. I believe when the Bible says God formed you, He not only formed us physically, but He formed our unique personalities to fulfill His plan. Some of us a little more unique than others. And yet God has given us our personalities to fulfill a specific plan. You may say, well, hold on a minute, preacher. If you were to look at how God created me and my personality, I'm shy, I'm reserved, God can't use me. Well, I remember reading about a man in the Old Testament named Moses. The Bible says he was the meekest of men, not a man that would boast of great things and really be a great orator, and yet God used Moses in a powerful way. Why? Because God can get glory through Moses. Because it wasn't Moses, it was God through Moses. I want to encourage you tonight. We are here on purpose for a purpose. The idea is that everything there is about you, your being, your essence, who you are, was planned by God to fulfill a greater purpose that He has for your life. I want you to notice in verse number 5, God not only tells Jeremiah, I have formed you and I know you, but we see also that God reveals what His plan is for Jeremiah. If you continue reading in verse number 5, God declares, I have sanctified thee, and I have ordained thee to be a prophet unto the nations. God says to Jeremiah, I sanctified you, and I have ordained you. 
God was telling Jeremiah that from the womb, before he was even born, God says, I have sanctified you. That word means set apart. God had specifically set Jeremiah apart before the day he was even born and says, Jeremiah, I've got a plan for you. I've got a specific will for your life. You're going to do great things for me. I desire to use you in a great way. And I have already separated you. I've already put you aside for service. But he not only separated him, he says that he ordained him. That word means called. He said, Jeremiah, I have called you. I've set you apart for service. I have a plan for your life. And I believe tonight that in Jeremiah's case, it's very clear what God's plan was. He said, I called you and I set you apart. I sanctified you. What? To be a prophet unto the nations. In Jeremiah's case, his calling was to be a prophet or a preacher to the nation. His role would be to preach the word of God to the people of God. And as Jeremiah looked at this, there's no doubt in my mind, Jeremiah recognized that this was a sacred calling. This was a holy calling upon his life. Now understand, this was not holy or sacred because preaching to the nation was attractive. It was not holy because it was a glamorous job. It was holy and sacred because it was the purpose that God had for His life. I want you to understand, there is nothing inferior to the person who works at a factory, the person who works in the school system that compared to that of a full-time Christian worker. The most important thing in our lives is what is it God's created us for? What has God called us to do with our lives? And he said it is holy, it is sacred, because it is what God has said I am to do. Do you realize this evening that the exact same thing that was true about Jeremiah in chapter 1 is true about you and I as well? If it is true, if it is, and it is, that God has intentionally formed you and I, every one of us, and that none of us are here by accident, then God has a plan. And just like Jeremiah was created for a purpose, God has, understand this, God has from the womb, before you were ever born upon the face of this planet, God set you apart. God ordained you. He already had a plan. He's already called you to do something for Him. He's got a plan for you. If, if you and I are called to fulfill a specific purpose, then any time you and I are not doing what we have been called to do, understand our lives will never be what they ought to be for the Lord. God has created us to function in this way. If we're not living up to our calling, if we're not staying in the center of God's will each and every day of our lives, then we will not have the blessings. We will not have the satisfaction that our hearts long to have. God created us for His good pleasure. That's why we're here. God says, you are my workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Jesus said, I have created you for me, for my good pleasure. We are to bring glory to our Heavenly Father with our lives. And God has created your essence, your spirit, your being to function in such a way that you are surrendered to the Lord. And if you're not then you will not have blessings. You will not have satisfaction. You will not have the life that God has intended to give to you. For example, the church. We look at Central Baptist Church and we know assuredly that this church is not this campus. 
Central Baptist Church is we the people. The church is not a building. It's a group of baptized believers who have joined together to fulfill the Great Commission, to worship Almighty God. And God says that the church is a body with each and every member making up that body. The Bible also teaches that when one member of the body is not doing their job that God has called them to do, then the entire body ceases to function the way that it should. The the body cannot soul win the way it should. It cannot be the testimony that it should be. If one member of the body is is failing to fulfill what God has called for them to do. Well, in the same way, when you and I are not living up to our calling on a daily basis, then we are not living up to the life that God intended to give to us. Well, that brings us to a question tonight. If God does have a plan, if you were created on purpose, then why do so many people fail to recognize what they've been called to do? Why is it that those who do recognize their calling refuse to do what they've been created to do? Well, let's look at verse number 6. Verse 6, the Bible says, Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. We come to verse number 6, and Jeremiah, knowing what his calling is, God just told him what it was, begins to do what so many of us do. He begins to make excuses about the will of God in his life. Now, I believe tonight that many times folks fail to recognize God's calling on their lives simply because they do not care enough about God to seek His will for their lives. That's true about many. And yet, for those who do know God, they often will make excuses. And you and I have been there. We have been guilty of making excuses when it comes to the things of God. And Jeremiah says, Lord, I I cannot speak. I'm a child. I believe that there are those who say that they cannot do God's will because they sincerely, truly believe that they are not capable of doing such a great task. I believe that. I believe there are people who God says, here's my plan, and they ponder it in their hearts, and they come to the conclusion that, God, I can't. It's too much. The task is too big. There's no way that I could be used of God to do this. And in their hearts, they're sincere about it. And in a sense, they're right. They cannot, they are not able, but God is able to enable them to do it. Praise the Lord. But on the other hand, I find so often that there are those who make excuses, not as a way of saying, Lord, I don't believe I can, but they use excuses because they do not like what they are being asked to do. They say, Lord, I I can't do this. And in reality, they're saying, Lord, I don't want to do this. I don't want to serve you in this area. I don't want to let go of the control of my life in this area. Jeremiah here, he's making an excuse. He says, Lord, I'm a child. There's no way that I can speak. I can't be a prophet to the nations. I, I can't stand up and boldly proclaim the word of God. You know, it sounds kind of similar to what Moses said, isn't it? God comes to Moses and says, Moses, here's my will for your life. You're going to be my deliverer. You're going to be my spokesman to my people to deliver them out of bondage. And Moses, what does he say? Lord, I can't. I'm of a slow speech. No one will listen to me. And I love what God says to Moses. Who formed man's mouth? Who's the one that created you? And as we see here, uh, Jeremiah, he says a a similar thing. He makes a similar excuse, just like we've all done at times. 
But if you'll notice in verse number 7, God deals very quickly with Jeremiah's excuse. Look in verse 7. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Isn't it interesting that God says word for word the excuse that Jeremiah gives? You see, that tells me that God knows every single excuse that is in our hearts. He knows every excuse we could possibly come up with. God tells Jeremiah word for word. Jeremiah says, God, I'm a child. I cannot speak. And immediately God says, don't say you're a child. Don't give me that excuse. And he tells him, I formed you. There are no excuses when it comes to serving God. What God is basically saying is, Jeremiah, you need to have faith. Jeremiah, you need to keep your eyes upon me. You shall go where I send you. You shall speak what I command you to speak. I will make it happen. God says, I'll do it for you. I'll be with you. I'll help you. I'll enable you. You know, it's interesting. He says, I can't do it. And God says, there are no excuses. It's as if God is saying, listen, Jeremiah, I formed you. I know you. And if I formed you, I know exactly what you are and are not capable of doing. Isn't that encouraging? And God will never set us up for for failure. God is not going to take us somewhere just so He can stand back and say, let me see just how big they messed this up. If we do that, then we're not bringing glory to God, are we? God is on our side, not against us. I wonder tonight, friend, what excuse are you holding on to when it comes to the will of God in your life? What is it that has crippled you from fulfilling your purpose for God? What's holding you back from being in the perfect will of Almighty God? You may say tonight, well, preacher, I'm too young. That's what Jeremiah said. That didn't fly. You may say, preacher, I'm too old. Hey, that doesn't fly either. God has a plan. You may say the task is too great. You may say, I have some disability. And again, God echoes, I formed you. I know exactly what you're capable of. And I know exactly what you're not capable of. And I formed you exactly how you are to do what I've called you to do. Hey, there are no excuses when it comes to serving God. What's holding you back? What has crippled you? What have you held on to that you refuse to let go? Well, notice with me as we move on to verse number 8. Verse number 8, God says, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. I love verse number 8. God tells Jeremiah, basically, I will enable you. He says, Don't be afraid. I'll be with you. I will deliver you. Whatever it is that I ask you to do, I will enable you to do it. I will equip you. Wherever God sends you, He will enable. Whatever He calls you to do, He will equip you. He will be with you. He will give you what you need. God knew better than anybody what He was asking Jeremiah to do. Have you ever wondered in verse 8 why God used the phrase, I'll deliver you? Think about that. God said, I'll be with you and I will deliver you. Now, God is intentional with what He says in His Word. Every word is inspired. So why would God use the phrase, deliver you? Well, I want you to understand, again, God knew exactly what He was asking Jeremiah to do. And God knew that what He was calling Jeremiah to do was not easy by any means. 
hey, Jeremiah did not have smooth sailing. It was not just a cush job, if you want to put it that way. Let's think about it. Let's examine Jeremiah for a moment. Jeremiah, the Bible says he's to be a prophet, a preacher to who? A backslidden Israel. He served under several kings. The Bible says that most of the kings he served under were wicked in the sight of God. They weren't on his side. They were not in favor of what he was doing. At this point, Israel had turned to pagan gods. They were backslidden. They were away from the Lord. His message was a message of judgment. Do you realize that when you're preaching a message of judgment, it's never easy to deliver and rarely ever well received? And yet that's what he was called to do. And God knew that Jeremiah would labor his entire life in loneliness. If you were to look at the next book in your Bible, you would find a book titled, The Lamentations of Jeremiah. I want you to understand, God has put in our Bible an entire book titled, The Lamentation of Jeremiah, where God pulls back the curtain and we see an entire book of Jeremiah weeping in his brokenheartedness, lamenting over the judgment of God upon his people because of their sin. And yet God says to Jeremiah, I'm with you. I'll deliver you. Yes, it's going to be hard. Yes, the task is great. Yes, it is hard to live for God. Yes, you're going to have persecution, but I will enable you. God says, I'm going to give you exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. I'll be with you. Friend, listen, I am glad to know tonight that no matter what the will of God is in your life or in my life, He has promised to give you and I what we need when we need it to fulfill what it is in our lives. God's will, again, it may not be easy for you. It rarely is. We're living in a sin-filled world. We're living in a world where the devil, the archenemy of God, Satan, the old serpent, is the prince of the power of this world. We are at enmity against him, and he is in opposition to us. It is not easy to live for God in the world that we live. And yet God has called us to holiness. God has called us to be a witness into this lost and dying and dark world. God's will is not easy. I think about Jeremiah's calling, and we understand that for a pastor, we know the opposition a pastor takes. We understand the, the turmoil and the decisions that have to be made. We understand the lies and the attacks that are against a pastor from the enemy. But you realize it doesn't matter what the calling is. You're going to face opposition. It's not easy for a school teacher to keep a godly testimony and share the gospel at school. It's not easy for a police officer to maintain a godly testimony and be a witness. It's not easy for a grocery store worker to maintain a godly testimony and be a witness at the job. And we could go on and on. Healthcare workers, factory workers, whatever you've been called to do, it is never easy to live for God. It's never convenient to stand up and take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet whatever it is, wherever you're at in life, God has given you a promise. I'll give you what you need when you need it. Just keep that eye focused on me. Have faith. Verse 8 is a promise of enablement. Look at verse 9. And I love this. Verse 9, we see the enabling taking place for Jeremiah. Verse 9, the Bible says, Then the Lord put His hand 
and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. In verse number 8, God says, Look, I'm going to enable you. Verse 5, He says, Here's what I want you to do. And yet, verse 9, we actually see God's equipping and God's enabling take place before our eyes. Verse 9, God says, I have put my words in your mouth. In Jeremiah's case, he was immediately, upon discovering God's will, enabled to do it. God said immediately, do this, and he gave him the tools to do it. Just one verse later. You know, there are times when God will give us what we need before we need it. There are times when God will give us the preparation, give us the tools, give us the enablement in advance to do something for God. And I love it when that happens. Isn't that great? When you can see God has worked in your life in the past to prepare you for something you're getting ready to do, but that's not always the case. That was true in this case for Jeremiah, but there are times when God does not give us what we need until the moment that we need it. And I believe with all my heart that is to help our faith. You know, if you and I were always confident about everything God asked us to do, there'd be no need for God, would there? Oftentimes, God says, step out in faith, and when you need it, that's when I'll show up. When you're at your wit's end, when you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go, you don't know how to carry on, then I will enable you because then it is me working through you. Then I'll receive the glory. Then I know you're operating in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. There are times when we are at our wit's ends and we believe that there is no possible way that God can deliver Because whatever it is, it's too much, it's too big a task. We look at our calling and we say, God, the wall is insurmountable. It cannot be done. And that is the exact moment so often God says, now you're ready for me to work. Now you're ready for me to give you what you need because now is the time of need. Let me give you some examples of this in the Bible. You remember a few fellows by the name of Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. We know them by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I don't know why we memorize those names more than the others. That was the pagan names given to them by the Babylonians. But Hananiah, Azariah, and uh, and Mishael, we look at these guys and we understand that they were commanded to bow down and worship a pagan idol. The king set up an idol and said, you're going to bow down and you're going to worship this idol that I have set up. And the consequence is you'll be thrown in a burning, fiery furnace if you refuse. Well, what did these young men do? They said to the king, we will not bow. And he says unto them, who is it that is able to deliver you out of my hand? And these young men answer back to this king, and they said, our God is able. But don't miss the next phrase. They said, but if not. Our God is able. But if not, I want you to understand these young men believed in the power of God and His ability to deliver them, but they did not know whether or not He would. They knew He was capable, but they said, even if He doesn't, we will not bow down to Thee, O King. They took a stand for the Lord. They were prepared to die for the cause of Christ. But praise the Lord, God was not done with them yet. 
And I believe with all my heart that as these young men prepared to die for God, knowing God was able to deliver, not knowing that He would, I believe that it was not until the flames kissed their cheeks that they recognized that God was going to deliver them. And as they got closer and closer to that fire, unaware of what God would do, but having faith in His goodness and in His mercy, it was when that flame first touched their cheek that they recognized, God's given me what I needed when I needed it. He showed up just on time. Well, how about Daniel? Daniel was another man, faithful, full of faith in God. And there came a time when he was to be thrown into a den of lions. And as we read the account of Daniel, I believe that as they opened the doors and they looked into that den, that those lions looked just as ravenous, just as hungry as they have ever looked. And I believe as Daniel was lowered down into this den, that it was not until the moment that his foot touched the floor, then God showed up and closed the mouth of the lions. What is that? God gave Daniel what he needed when he needed it. Think about Elijah. Elijah was a great prophet of God, and he had just received a great victory on Mount Carmel, the lonely prophet standing against all the prophets of Baal, and God allowed him to have the ability to call fire down from heaven. What a victory that he had. And shortly after, we find Elijah fleeing from God and wishing for death. He was fleeing. He was defeated after such a mighty victory. And he was laying there sulking in pity, wishing for death. And as he was ready to give up and die, God came and said to him, Elijah, the journey is too great for thee. Arise and eat. And God gave Elijah exactly what he needed, exactly when he needed it to get up and get moving once again. Hey, I thank God that He has promised you, just stay faithful. Just do what I have created you to do. And if you will, there's a purpose behind it. And I will enable you to fulfill that plan, even when it seems insurmountable. You know, there are other times that it's not necessarily the consequences, but it's the timing. There are times in which we feel that the timing is beyond God's ability to enable. There are times we feel like it's just beyond the amount of time that God can come through. It's been too long. There's no way God can show up in this present hour and help and give me what I need. It's too late. Well, I want to remind you that there are those who really loved the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And they began to think that it was too late. And little did they know that God was not finished with Lazarus yet. You think about what we heard this morning preaching from Lazarus. And even after a time of four days, when everybody thought that Lazarus no longer had a purpose left upon this life, there's no way that there was anything left for him to do for God. Jesus simply spoke, Lazarus, come forth. And God, even after it was so far later than anybody ever thought possible for God to show up and do a work, God said, I'm not through with you yet. There are many who will use the excuse, preacher, I'm too old. I have exhausted my ability to serve God. I have exhausted my ability to serve the Lord. I cannot do it any longer. I've come as far as I can go for the Lord. Lazarus was dead for four days and God said, I'm not finished with you yet. Hey, God's got a plan. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 8, 
God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Oh, you and I serve a God who is far beyond our human comprehending. And He can show up in ways that you cannot even fathom. Friend, what's holding you back from being in His will? He'll give you everything that you need. You know, while we're talking about these examples, even Jeremiah, the man that we're preaching about tonight, faced a time in his life when he was ready to give up preaching. Do you know that? Jeremiah came to a place when he was ready to throw in the towel and quit, no longer able to do the will of God. And yet in that very moment, in chapter 20 and verse 9, he says, Then said I, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. Sounds like a defeated preacher, doesn't it? But it goes on to say, But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. I believe that in the moment that Jeremiah believed he had gone as far as he could possibly go with the Lord, God came and God blew on the embers of the Word of God in his heart. And as God bent down and blew upon those embers, it ignited a fire once again in Jeremiah's soul so that he could not keep silent. Friend, God is working in our lives. I want you to see that you were formed on purpose for a purpose. And if you have breath in your body, God's not done with you yet. Regardless of when the enabling happens, whether God allows you to be prepared far in advance or whether He enables you in the heat of the moment, God's promise is the same. I will give you what you need every time you need it if you'll look unto me. You know, the thing about God's will, the thing about the calling of God, is that it's not a one-time deal. Listen to me, friend, very closely. You and I do not discover God's will one time in our lives, and then we're finished. That's it. Yes, what you do for an occupation is a big deal. But when we look at our calling, when we look at a purpose, understand that God's plan is a daily thing in our lives. He has a daily will, a daily purpose. Our relationship to God has been likened to walking with God. We are on a journey with the Lord, and every day we are walking with our Heavenly Father. That means that every day, day to day, God has a plan for that day. God has a purpose for that will. God has somebody for you to witness to. God has somebody who's looking for an example of Jesus Christ in your life, because I promise you, your neighbors and your co-workers and your friends know that you're at church tonight. They know who you claim to be. What's holding you back from the will of God? Do you measure up outside of these buildings with what you claim to be inside of these walls? God is wanting and desiring to use you tonight. Look at verse number 10 as we conclude. Verse 10, the Bible says, See, I have this day set thee over the nations, over the kingdoms, to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. You know, I look at verse 10 and I realize very quickly Jeremiah had his work cut out for him. And yet every step of his life, God said, I'm here. I'll deliver you. 
and I'll enable you. Friend, my message tonight is very simple. Are you in the will of God today? Have you been in the will of God this week? Have you reached a place where you say, I can no longer go any farther with God, whatever the excuse may be? What is it that may be holding you back this evening from doing God's, not long-term, God's daily purpose for your life? Have you come to the place in your walk with God where you have recognized God formed me on purpose and God formed me for a purpose? Let's bow for a word of prayer today.